Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to Savvy Business, Life Unscripted, with your host, Christina Rivera, where our guests share their wisdom and valuable business tips, empowering our audience to expand their personal potential. Bethany Corden, welcome to Savvy Broadcasting, Life Unscripted. How are you this wonderful Sunday, Memorial Day weekend? Thank you so much for coming on out on this holiday weekend. Oh, of course. I'm super excited to be here. And, you know, you know the life of a lawyer, right? We don't do that many fun things. So it's a holiday oh. weekend. <laughs> we work every day of the week but you know what when you love it it ain't work right exactly right (laughs) and and that's often what happened I mean when people go in to start their own business if you don't love it you're going to burn out fairly quickly but if you find love in what you're doing then it's not it's effort but it's 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 fun work uh but we're we're going to talk yeah but we're going to talk about a lot of business owners. We talked just before we hit the go button. Now, a lot of business owners get started. They have this passion. I'm a knitter. I'm a baker. I'm a whatever. And I'm going to bring this to the world. There's a there's a need, a want, desire for it. I'm going to bring it to the marketplace. But what we often don't think about is what do we need to know legally that might inhibit our growth as a business or even harm us? Uh, because most times you hear legal, you want... Yeah, but it's definitely something you have to pay attention to as a new business owner. So today we're going to talk about some of the common legal missteps that beginning entrepreneurs and early stage business owners uh, don't think about. Um, but before we go there, you're a femtech. You're doing amazing work in that space. But I'd like you to share a little bit about your backstory and what led you to where you are today. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, by background, am an attorney, which is everybody's least favorite profession. They hear that. And, and as you mentioned, right, they're like, oh gosh, not an attorney. No, I think for me, it'd be politician first. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Second heated. <laughs> um, but yeah, so my journey actually was really interesting. I didn't start out at all in the healthcare realm for, for law at all. I started out as a financial services and litigation attorney absolutely hated it and experienced exactly what you just said, Christina, about the burnout, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're working all the hours and you're getting no reward for it. 
So I ended up switching, finding something I was passionate about, had my own women's health issue really arise Mm -hmm. unexpectedly a couple of years ago. And that really thrust me into the idea of wanting to help bring women's health solutions to life faster Mm -hmm. um, and bring them onto the market. And I kept thinking, you know, how can I make a difference? I'm an attorney. I'm not a doctor. What can I be doing on my end? Mm -hmm. And that propelled me into the startup law realm where I'm helping founders learn the legal ramifications of building a company, learn what they need to have in place as a foundation, how to grow and scale successfully, Mm -hmm. um, and actually having an impact on the products that come out to the market for new consumers. So that's where I am today. And I'm thrilled to have founded Fem Innovation, Uh which is really focused on providing that crucial business and legal strategy advice to founders, and also just helping the general public become more educated on women's health. Wow. You know, what's so phenomenal about your story is that so many of us will will get into something. Sometimes it's not always a vocation. That's our lifelong passion. Sometimes like your mom's like, go be a lawyer, go be a doctor. That's a, you know, that's a good profession. Yeah. You'll be set for life. And then you get into it and you're like, but I'm not really too keen on this or whatever it might be. Or maybe like for me, I got into finance, but you don't see a way in which finance impacts and touches the things that you most care about, like health for you, it became very important. But what's so interesting about your story is you found a way to pivot and say, I've got these talents and skills and and now this vocation, how can I pivot it to use it for something that's now very important to me and can still bring great benefit to the market and help in the area that's most important to me? Absolutely. And it was it was a struggle, I have to say, you know, finding that balance and finding your passion because mm-hmm. so many of us are taught, right, coming out of college, you should know exactly what you want to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> I spent, you know, five, six years as an attorney doing the corporate law work, working in big law mm-hmm. and hating every minute of it um, until I had this experience that allowed me to really stop and think, okay, how can I make a difference in a way that's going to be meaningful, both to society, but also to myself personally. Mm, that's amazing. Now, uh, working with the the companies you have so far, and just seeing, um, you know, entrepreneurs and business owners out there, what do you find as some of the biggest missteps they make in creating and launching their businesses? Yeah, there, there's quite a few. And, it, and you know, for my background, I work a lot with digital health startups, but a lot of the advice is common amongst entrepreneurs of all different stages and all different sizes. Mm-hmm. You know, so whenever I think about common missteps, the first one really comes down to the formation of your business. Mm-hmm. And what type of vehicle do you want to form your business? What are you trying to look for from a tax and a liability perspective? I see a lot of people who don't take the time to form any type of business structure. You can absolutely run a business, right, without forming an LLC or a corporation. What you might be missing, though, is the fact that then there's no barrier if somebody comes and sues your company. There's no barrier between the company and you Mm -hmm. without that legal structure in place. So I always like to counsel clients to really think through what your risk exposure is, and maybe it's worth the investment to form an LLC or to form a C-Corp or an S-Corp, depending on the tax implications that you want. Mm -hmm. The other thing that it gives you, right, is some tax advantages. It could be a little bit annoying sometimes at tax season, right, having to (laughs) file all all those fun forms, but but you've got that protection. So that's kind of thing number one, is really deciding on the right business structure. Mm -hmm. And if you're a startup that thinks in the future, this is going to be a really lucrative business, right? Maybe I'll want investors. Maybe people are going to want to invest in me. Maybe I want to go public in the future. Mm-hmm. 
right in there, you should be thinking about a Delaware C Corp because that's going to be the vehicle that investors are going to be looking for whenever you're trying to attract capital. Um, so I see a lot of startups start with an LLC and not realize that a lot of investors aren't going to put money into an LLC and then have to spend additional funds to either, you know, reincorporate or to change the corporate structure. Now, uh, the second thing. Yeah, I'm just curious. I'm going to stop there because I know a lot of uh, the businesses, especially really small businesses, uh, start out as a DBA doing business as. So basically, yeah. it's under your own name and you're just listing another name that's the business. And so, in yeah. essence, you're doing business as yourself, but under another name, alias. Um, now, the yeah. LLC, people are like, okay, what's the difference? Uh, so I'm putting an LLC. It separates me from my name. So, God forbid, I get sued. But then, what the heck is a. S Corp, like all those things get a bit confusing. Can you yeah. go a bit deeper on those for them, for our listeners? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. So you can, you can work for yourself as a sole proprietorship, right? That's kind of what you're talking about when you don't have a corporate structure and it's just yeah. you. You're exposed completely to any liability that your company has, right? They can come after you personally. Mm -hmm. um, a partnership, right, is something that let's say, Christina, you and I decide we're going to team up and we're going to do a joint venture thing, mm -hmm. um, but we don't want to form a company, right? We're just going to work on it together. Similar thing right now, we've got a partnership, the two of us, but we've got a lot of exposure from a legal risk perspective. Mm -hmm. LLC, right, limited liability company, that's what a lot of people are the most familiar with. And it offers protection. It separates out um, your risk from your company's risk. You're not, you know, liable for what your company is doing personally. There's some tax, you know, tax benefits there as well, separating it out. The, with an LLC, you can have a DBA as an LLC as well. What I've seen some companies do, right, they have the LLC structure for that legal protection, and then maybe they've got a couple different lines of business under that same company name, but they want to call them something different. Um, so they might do, you know, you might have, you know, Bethany Corbin LLC doing business as, you know, Worldwide Globe, you know, or doing business as headbands or doing business mm. as water bottle, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, those yeah. are just things I'm like, yeah, but, <laughs> but you can have a lot of DBAs under one LLC. So you don't have to create a different entity if mm. you want to have different product lines and have different brands. Cool. The thing with a corporation is that that's going to be the vehicle that's going to allow you to attract a lot more investment, especially mm. if you're looking to go public. Um, a corporation does have a lot of benefits, right? And that it's separating, you know, get, you get the same type of protection that you do for an LLC. Mm -hmm. um, you got some other tax benefits there, depending on whether or not you do a C-Core or an S-Core. Mm -hmm. And what that really refers to is whether or not you're going to have um, pass-through taxation mm -hmm. and liability, right? Or whether or not you might have potentially double taxation right at the corporate level and then at the individual level. Okay. The thing to know there is if you do want that um, that kind of pass-through taxation, so you're only getting taxed once, mm -hmm. you have to make the S-Core election, and you have to do so shortly after filing your articles of incorporation. Um, so that, you know, that's just something to keep in mind. Um, mm -hmm. If you, you know, think about that beforehand, think about the tax structures, yeah. maybe talk to an attorney or an accountant just to make sure that you know before you form, because mm -hmm. if you have to change, right, you've got a lot of forms that you have to file, right? You've probably obtained your EINs, and now you have to change with the IRS, those types of things as well. Yeah. Um, so really, really kind of the, the two structures that you're going to see most often will be the LLC or it will be the C-Core. Um, if you have a, a board of directors, right, that type of thing, or you have more people who are going to be kind of those shareholders or integrally invested, mm -hmm. um, the corporation is going to be a more common structure. The other thing to really think about, too, is whether or not you are 
you know, starting a business in a profession that might require a certain corporate structure. So for attorneys, for instance, we, you know, depending on what state you might be in, we might have to form what's known as a professional corporation um, or a professional limited liability company. And there might be restrictions on who can own those. So Christina, right, you're not an attorney. So then maybe you know, you maybe you can't be an owner of, of my company that's providing legal services. Got we it. see similar things, right, in like the field of medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, so just make sure that you're getting the right board approvals if, if you're in a profession that's governed by a board and that you're starting the right corporate structure in accordance with what's required for your profession. Wow, that is intense. But this is why you want to hire someone like yourself or another attorney to really go through these with your, with you and your partner or yourself, whoever is running you, the company, if it's just you yourself. Because, you know, unless you're studying law, there's a lot to take in and to understand. <laughs> um, now, now you mentioned, so now we got the understanding the business structure. What are other, other things that we need to pay attention to when getting started? Yeah. One of the other common things is what are you going to name your company? Mm-hmm. And that, excuse me, that might seem like a purely right a branding marketing type of a, a concern, but it's mm-hmm. actually got legal ramifications. So for instance, whenever you go to register your company um, as an LLC or C Corp or whatever structure you choose, you have to have a name and that name has to comply with whatever requirements the state has set. So you might have to have you know, limited or company or LLC at the end of your name. Uh, you may have to avoid certain words uh, that give the appearance of, you know, connections that may not be there. Typically, you can't have a name that's going to be misleading to consumers or a name that's going to be substantially similar to something that's already been registered in your jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And so for that, what I typically recommend doing, let's say that you're in Delaware, you know, you're going to start a company in Delaware and you want to see, is there something similar out there that's already been registered? Go to the Delaware Secretary of State site and go to the business entity search and put in the name that you're thinking of and hit search. See what comes up. Um, Sometimes you might get no hits. Other times you might get hits and you might say, you know what? Oh, that is really close to what I was thinking. Um, Consumers might be confused by that. I've got to pick another name. The other thing you want to watch out for, right, because that's just on, on the state side for name choosing, is really, am I infringing on somebody else's trademarked name? So yeah. just because, right, somebody might not be registered in that jurisdiction where you are, doesn't mean that they might not have a trademark on a particular name. And so if somebody has a trademark, that can be harmful to you, right? Maybe you get away with registering it, right? And you're doing business under that name for a while. Mm-hmm. And at any point in time, right, somebody could catch wind of what your name is. And they might say, hey, I'm going to order you to stop using that name because it's trademarked to me. Yeah. And so then you've got a whole issue of rebranding and reimagining yourself to consumer. And that can be really costly. Yeah. One thing that I recommend there is going onto the U.S. you know, Patent and Trademark Office's website and doing a preliminary trademark search to see if anything pops up. Don't be too specific, though. For instance, let's say that you were considering a name called Fem Health Consulting. Mm-hmm. And don't put in fem health consulting as the only thing, right? Search fem health because something might pop on fem health and adding consulting doesn't really make that name substantially different. Mm-hmm. But that name might not pop if you have fem health consulting, even though you would still potentially be infringing. Yeah. The other thing that I would recommend too is if you know something does pop, don't just assume, yes, I can use it or, you know, no, I think if I add this word to it, it'll be different. Have a quick conversation with a trademark attorney. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of them out there who will do, you know, 
short, free 20 minute consults with you. And you can just ask. And I did this myself for my own business Mm because I'm I'm an attorney, right? But I'm not a trademark expert. And so I had a quick conversation. I said, Hey, I want to add this word. What do you think? And he was like, not going to (laughs) fly. So that, that saved me up front. Yeah. It was terrible because I had to pick a different name, but I was confident in my ability to use that name going forward. Yeah, I, I love that, Bethany. I think sometimes business owners get married to, no, this is my name. Yeah. But it's really, I remember the day I came up with the name for my initial business, and then it's kind of transformed slightly the name over the years. Um, I would just sit there when I'm going, huh, my business is about intellect or uh, entrepreneurs sharing their advice and savvy, like savvy shopper popped up in my head. I'm like, all right, savvy. Yeah. So I, it was like a a brainstorm. I mean, and so it could have been a billion other names, um, but on the point of names, my friend had just the issue you talked about, been in business for 10 years, very profitable. And uh, she had a name that was very similar in her state to a very profitable business. She was not aware of that said, Hey, that's our name. We own it. You've got to stop cease and desist immediately, or we'll take you to court. And she was like, (gasps) Now I'm going to, you know, everyone knows me as this name. So what she did is luckily she had a good communication and connection with her customers. She said, Hey, we're going to do a contest. Here's what happened. I'm going to allow you guys to choose our name here, you know, send in all of your, whatever, your, your ideas, and we'll pick the best one. You'll win X, Y, Z prize. And uh, that'll be the name of the company. And so it worked. They got like thousands of submissions. They took one, that person won a prize and everyone was excited about it. Now, another 10 years later, they've been rocking the new name and I, I'd say much more successful than originally, but Hey, she found a unique solution, but why even go through that headache? Yeah. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And it's something that a lot of us don't think about because we think, you know, I kind of like the famous line, what's in a name, right? A lot, unfortunately, and somebody else may have already claimed it. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think, and here's a mistake I made, and maybe you can talk to it. Uh, When I got started, I said, I'm going to make my own contract. I went to, I think, Rocket Lawyer, downloaded a couple of consulting type um, legal documents. I just, oh yeah, I just throw my stuff here, there, and whatever, started sending it out to potential clients. And fourth, fifth client in, I had a big catastrophe. Things did not work out. I couldn't collect. And she was just like, if you bother me further, I'm going to take you legal because this is not outlined specifically in the contract we put together. And I was really hurt because one, well, this is a side note. We were friends before we did business. Um, But she said, you know what? You should have gotten this looked over by a lawyer. And, you know, as much as it hurt, she was right because it wasn't solid. It wasn't concretely outlined in the document we put together. Um, And so I learned a really tough lesson. Could you could you talk to that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. It's a lesson that so many entrepreneurs learn the hard way. There is such a tendency, not just even with contracts, but with things like your website terms of use or your website privacy policy Mm -hmm. to go and copy from something that's on the internet, right? Or go to these free legal download sites or cheap legal download sites to get a contract. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is that your contract that you get online, right? Or your privacy policy or website isn't going to be tailored to you. It's not going to have the terms that you want in it that might be unique to your business. Mm -hmm. And so you can end up in that situation where you have a contract that hasn't addressed everything Mm -hmm. and you don't know that it hasn't addressed everything, right? Because you're not, you're not a lawyer, right? You're not issue spotting or trained to look for the exact kind of gotcha clauses, right? That might appear, And so you also don't know too, I tell clients, you know, let's say that 
your friend gave you a contract, you know, mm-hmm. a, a, and this is a contract, right? That might be a, an already negotiated contract in her favor. And she mm-hmm. says, here, this can be your template. That's a similar problem because you don't know how that's been negotiated. You don't know what terms might've been more beneficial to you that have now been changed or excluded in that process. Mm-hmm. So I always really recommend, even if you think, okay, I just need a template, right? Maybe I just need a contractor template document. Mm-hmm. Hire an attorney to create that for you, right? They can typically make it so that it will have fill in the blanks, right? Or instructions for you for how to complete it going forward or things to change in different yeah. circumstances. Pay for that upfront and use that because that's going to be written for you, for your company with your specific pain points in mind. And it's also going to be written by an attorney who is specifically trained to issue spot for things that you might not see that are missing in the contract, you know, like interest if somebody's laid on a payment. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens to disputed payments? Do you, is the whole disputed payment withheld? Is only the part that's in dispute withheld? When are those invoices paid? When do they have to be submitted? Mm-hmm. You know, is there a limit for whenever they can dispute a portion of that invoice? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of those things, right, we're really trained to look at and identify for you. And then you know that you have a document that's solid, that's well-written, and how to change it going forward if you need to. So that's always one of the, one of the things I caution as well. Same thing for the privacy policies, right? In the website terms of mm-hmm. use. Um, yeah. I will say that the Federal Trade Commission mm-hmm. is really taking a look at how you might be using, you know, data that consumers are giving you for your products. Mm-hmm. Uh, so make sure that you have a privacy policy that's specifically tailored to your website, to your product, to your needs, because mm-hmm. how you use data, it's going to be different than how your competitor who does the exact same thing is using yeah. data. Um, so that could get you in trouble as well. Wow. I mean, that is so informative because I think people think, especially like if, you know, your friend gives you a template or whatever, the point is neither of you are looking at it. And I don't think my friend who who we got into this tip was planning to have us not work out and things go, you know, sour. It's just that there's misunderstandings. And what's great about a third party attorney that works on this contract for you is there's no ambiguity. Like, oh, I thought this and you thought this. They're hashing it out for you. You're both partnership in this this upcoming deal, whatever it is. They're looking at what you both want and need, and they're putting it together legally so that both of your needs are met. And then both of you understand there's no ambiguity. Oh, I thought, she thought, whatever, whatever. And and then there won't be any misunderstandings, lost partnerships or broken businesses. Exactly. And there also won't be things in the contract that could be illegal. You know, there's certain things, you know, let's say you're in healthcare, for instance, you know, referrals are a huge deal in healthcare. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times a client comes to me and says, yeah, so we're going to give them referrals for patients and they're going to pay us. And I'm like, no, no, no. Right. That, yeah. That's an illegal deal. You don't want to commit that to contract. Right. Let's mm-hmm. let's find a different way to do what you're trying to achieve. Um, so you can also kind of have an attorney who's knowledgeable, really look at the partnership with you and say, mm-hmm. "Ooh, maybe there's a better way to do this. Or what are you getting out of that? You know, I have, um, mm-hmm. for instance, a new client that. Uh, working with them on a contract and they don't know what this end result is going to look like. You know, they want to have a contract that kind of tests out a specific mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. And so for them, it's, you know, okay, well, if you don't know what it looks like in the future, we can't put the terms in the contract now. Mm-hmm. And so I've helped them really think through, okay, what does this contract look like versus the future one that you want to have? And how do we separate that out in terms of, you know, legal obligations so that you don't accidentally set yourself up and overcommit in a way that could allow somebody to come after you? 
Whoa. And, and that's a really good point there. And that as your business grows, your contracts will have to evolve. You're going to have to probably hire an attorney or have one on staff. If you get big enough that can begin to rework your um, contracts to meet the needs of your now clients and where you're at now as a business. Yeah, absolutely. And sometimes to be honest, it can be a lot cheaper to hire the attorney up front to write the contract for you than to have them look at the contracts afterwards, right? You've grown, right? And you're looking at them and the attorney's like, ooh, this is going to cost a lot of money to redo versus if we mm. had just done it right from the start. So think about that as well. Um, the other thing too is as you grow and let's say that, you know, you know that you need some things looked at from a legal mm. perspective or you want to have that legal voice, you know, as part of your board or as part of your C-suite meetings, um, there's a lot of attorneys out there who do kind of fractional general counsel work. So you don't have to hire, you know, a full-time attorney, but you can still hire kind of a, that fractional GC who can be present whenever you need them, right? They're kind of a part of your board. They're mm -hmm. integrated with your company and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So they, they are easily, you know, reachable if you have questions, um, but, but a little bit more cost-effective. Oh, I love that. That that is phenomenal. Now, do you only work with Femtech? And if anyone listening in today has a, an alternate business, can you refer them or can you work with them? Uh, what does that look like? I'd like you to share your information, how people can get in, in contact with you and work with you and all that jazz. Absolutely. Yes. So we work primarily with femtech companies, but obviously, you know, it, there's a lot of overlap. Uh, we work a ton with female entrepreneurs, even in different spaces other than just femtech. So happy to, you know, connect with anybody who has questions, mm -hmm. um, just wants to hop on the phone for 15 or 20 minutes and just issue spot, right? Think through anything. Mm -hmm. Happy to do that. Also, if it's something that I'm not able to take care of, I have a ton of legal connections and I'm happy to point you in the right direction. Um, so very excited to just work with you. We're also starting a podcast ourselves called Fem Innovation. And while it is focused on female-driven innovation, uh, part of our series will be focused on giving this type of legal and practical advice to female founders of all industries. So if that's something that you're interested in, you can also take a look at our, our new, new podcast that's launching in June. Okay. And where can they find that? Is, do you have a website you can leave everyone so they can go there? And yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we are at femfeminnovation.com. It's also called the Fem Innovation Podcast. Uh, we launched June 1st. So our podcast teaser is up right now, along with um, kind of an episode zero that explains what we'll talk about uh, throughout the series. And yeah, I am available. I'm very active on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Bethany Corbin. And my own personal website is just bethanycorbin.com. Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for coming today to Savvy Broadcasting. You've opened people's eyes to the importance of legal, having legal counsel and reaching out for that when you get started. So you don't have messy problems in the back. Uh, and so thank you again, Bethany, for coming to share your great wisdom on Savvy Broadcasting today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. You betcha. Like, subscribe, and share this episode. To listen to more savvy episodes and savvy biz tips, go to www.lifeunscriptedradio.com. To find out about our paid sponsorship opportunities or how to become a guest, email Christina at lifeunscriptedradio.com.